for listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I am Frances Harry, and I'm hosting tonight. And our other host, Mark Danis, is present, but only spiritually. You see, he is on a pilgrimage in Avila, Spain right now, walking in the footsteps of St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, led by one of our favorite Carmelite friars, Father Daniel Chowning, who's been a guest on Carmelite Conversations many times. And guess what? Mark assured me he would be offering up in prayer all of those who are listening to Carmelite Conversations at all the famous places he visits on this pilgrimage. And today, well, he landed in Avila, and today he visited Fonteveros, the birthplace of St. John of the Cross, and Duriello, the first monastery of Discalced Carmelite Friars, and then went on to Abba de Tormes, and I'm sorry if I'm bittering the pronunciation of these. Um, one of the foundations started by St. Teresa and also the place where she is buried. So today, Mark Danis is at a mass at the tomb of St. Teresa of Avila, and he's remembering you and me in his prayers. And so what a blessing that is. And tomorrow, of course, as all Carmelites know, and we want you to know so you can join in the festivities, tomorrow is the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila. And Mark will be going to Mass at St. Joseph's in Avila, which is the first foundation of St. Teresa's. And then he'll be participating in all the public processions and devotions associated with the feast. And I know he'll remember us in his prayers. And when he returns, he promised me that he would tell us all about it. So you'll get to hear about it here on Carmelite Conversations. Also, I uh, would like to ask our listeners to please remember to pray for all of our seminarians, um, especially for Alex, who is discerning a potential call to the Discalced Carmelite Friars, and for all of our listeners, especially those in need of improved health, uh, we ask the Lord for a special anointing upon them. Well, I'd like to begin with an opening prayer, and this one comes from St. Teresa's Interior Castle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How great is your goodness, O God! For all our good must be at a cost to you. You ask only for our wills, that our souls should be prepared as wax to receive your seal. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the topic of our conversation today is quotable quotes of St. Teresa of Avila, which I think is very fitting for her feast day tomorrow. And I have a special guest. Um, I'd like to welcome Chris Cotter. He is a member of the Dayton OCDS community. He leads uh, formation classes in Carmelite spirituality, and he serves on the council for the Dayton Secular Order of Discounts Carmelites. So, Chris, welcome. How are you? Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm doing well. Great. Well, I think it would be um, a good idea to let our listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, maybe you would like to tell them how you came to Carmel. Okay. I had a powerful conversion to Christ in 1982. And since that time, I was involved in many different Christian ministries. 
always looking for something more. They were always good things. We did good things in those ministries, but they never satisfied this deep longing I had. Mm Kind of like the Psalms, you know, as the deer longs for running streams, so my soul is yearning for you, God. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Or anyway, the Psalms who point to that deep longing for God. I was always hungry for that and never quite finding it. And then in October of 2003, I picked up the Magnificat book written by a Dominican. The lead article was about Carmelite spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in October, we have two great Carmelite saints. We have St. Therese on October the 1st. Yes. Uh, and then October the 15th, we Carmelites celebrate the, the uh, feast of, of uh, St. Therese of Avila, whom we call our Holy Mother, because yes. she uh, started what we now do today. And so I read this article, and I felt this intense longing. And so, and I knew a little bit about Carmel because I had a cousin who was a Carmelite nun. Wonderful. And uh, and so I began looking for a Carmelite community, a secular community to go to. And I, I looked in, in Columbus first because that was closer to where I lived. But I couldn't find that group over there. So for some reason, they were invisible to me. So I found the group in, in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand why that why that's worked out that way now. <laughs> uh, but my spiritual director told me I couldn't go yet <laughs> because <laughs> because I was in the process of building a building for my business. And he thought one more thing was too much for me. So I had to wait until that building was finished. Mm, you had to wait like Therese. Yeah. <laughs> wait to enter. <laughs> yeah. And so in, in the building was finished in February of 2004. And two weeks later, I was in Cincinnati. And I felt at home. And uh-huh. at the Carmelite uh, community in Cincinnati, which it turns out was in the parish right next to the parish I grew up in in Cincinnati, at St. Teresa's Parish in, uh, in Price Hill, Cincinnati. Well, and then they gave me some literature, and when I read the stuff about St. John of the Cross, I felt this same longing, mm. hungering, yearning for God. And so then I went through the process of formation, and we oh, moved to uh, Dayton and formed the community in Dayton. And here we are. And here we are. And here you are to, today. Right. And I'm so glad you're here with me tonight. Um, I want to ask you this question, since we're going to talk about Teresa and some of her, some of our favorite quotes of her. What attracts you to St. Teresa of Avila? Well, first of all, I have to say all her writings, um, her infectious personality, her absolute commitment to pursuing God at all costs. She talked about pursuing God with determined determination. Oh, yes. I remember reading The Life for the first time, early in formation, and I thought, this is the best book I ever read, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just so exciting, you know. And uh, and the more I read Teresa, the more I, more I love her. She's kind of like a friend to me now, as was Therese before St. Teresa. Right. <laughs> and so she began the Discalced Carmelite Order. And she lived in the the 1500s, and mm-hmm. um, so uh, there's she is a saint and a mystic and a doctor of the church. We we want some of our new listeners to uh, have that reference point as a doctor of the church. Uh, doctors of the church are there's not very many of them. I think there's only 35 of them. 35, and they have a lot to teach all of us. So not just Carmelites. So she is a doctor of the church, one of only four women. The first Lovely. woman. She, she was, was the first one. Yeah, she yeah. and St. Catherine of Siena, the first first two women together yeah. on the same day, declared. So, all right, well, let's get into some of her quotes. What, what would you like to start with? 
Well, there's this quotation from uh, the interior castle where she describes the third dwelling places. And we could really say that that's kind of like the good Christian or the good good Catholic, somebody who's, who's serious about their faith. Okay. And she says this, The Lord has done them no small favor, but a very great one in letting them get through the first difficulties. I believe that through the goodness of God, there are many of these souls in the world. They long not to offend his majesty, even guarding themselves against venial sins. They are fond of doing penance and setting aside periods for recollection. They spend their time well, practicing works of charity toward their neighbors, and are very balanced in their use of speech and dress and in governing their households, those who have them. Certainly, this is a state to be desired. Now, this would be in the middle of all those mansions. Uh, um, Third. If I remember, uh, it goes from one to seven. Right. Uh, and those are just uh, descriptions of depths of prayer. And so three and four are kind of right there in the middle. Um, so this is um, a very good description of a, a practicing Christian. This is a good person uh, who's serious about his or her faith, but has not yet experienced the deeper life of prayer that St. Teresa teaches. All right. And so why did you pick this quote for tonight? I'm just curious. Well, it's one I think about a lot, you know, and I use a lot when I teach different things as a starting point to show how much further we have to go in the spiritual life. You know, if you looked at someone like this, that person is very admirable. Yes, yes, but indeed. St. Teresa says that that person is just beginning the spiritual life. Good point. Has not even, not even um, experienced the deeper type of prayer, which she calls contemplation yet. And she cautions that this is a good person. It's a state to be desired, as she said. But the danger is to become complacent and stop here. Oh, and you know, we do have to know that th- that we can keep growing. And I think there is a... A lot to be said about um, finding uh, uh, what else is out there. Uh, I remember having that hunger that you mentioned when you're you're longing and that hunger, and um, I remember when the um, the interior castle book fell into my hands. That was the first book I think I read of Teresa's, and I'm like, wow, you know. God is real. He's really acting in people's lives. She writes about this. She's experienced this, and this was so exciting to me. And so it kind of put in my mind that we have a a journey, and it never stops as long as we're on this earth. You know, uh, we can keep growing. And so I I think this is a great point of reference. And so I think probably the rest of the quotes that we talk about tonight will help um, to sharpen that focus on where we can head, right? Right. And um, this is something, this spiritual life, this, this, what we Carmelites, we talk about seeking union with God. This is possible for all people. We're all called to union with God. We're all right. called to holiness. The Bible tells us that. Our church tells us that. Um, and, uh, you know, we know that many people have achieved that. You know, many of Teresa's contemporaries, the, the sisters she was forming, achieved that union with God. You know, we know that from her writings. So. Well, and Teresa was living somewhat a, a life of that kind of description um, before she had her big conversion experience. And I know the next quotes that you have picked um, talk about her conversion. So how about you give us some insight on that? Well, Teresa um, entered the convent 
I think she was 20 when she entered the convent of Incarnation in Avila. And she was a good nun. She uh, was popular. Uh, she had a very uh, appealing, infectious personality. And uh, so she would entertain guests. People would come and, you know, enter- entertain them. Yeah, she was a big attraction in the, the parlor. Big, <laughs> big attraction in the parlor, that's right. And maybe perhaps they hoped they'd get a contribution out of this or something. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. They had a hundred nuns living there, so yeah. they needed money. Well, and they, they live in different levels, too, because some of them were wealthier than others. So they had their servants with them, and others lived lives of paupers, you know. So right. there was a kind of a class system there. Anyways, in her autobiography, Teresa describes this period of her life in, in two places and others, but two, two we picked. First of all, she says in chapter four, I kept from committing mortal sin and begged God to keep me so always. As for venial sins, I paid little attention, and that is what destroyed me. Ah, we should focus on that. When we pass over venial sins, that can destroy us. And we're not just talking... Mortal sins here. We're talking venial sins. So I think that's wise advice. Yeah. And so what happened next? Well, then she she goes on it. a few chapters later. She describes her life in a different way. Um, she says kind of this conflict between God and the world. On one hand, God was calling me. On the other hand, I was following the world. All the things of God made me happy. Those of the world held me bound. It seemed I desired to harmonize these two contraries, so inimical to one another, such as are the spiritual life and sensory joys, pleasures, and pastimes. In prayer, I was having great difficulty, for my spirit was not proceeding as Lord, but as slave. And so I was not able to shut myself within myself, which was my whole manner and procedure in prayer. Now the best part here. Instead, I shut within myself a thousand vanities. <laughs> and why do you like that best part so much? <laughs> oh, because I understand it from experience. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Yeah. You know, I think I think we can all identify with this, uh, that we have uh, something pulling, tugging at our heart in one direction and then another direction. I mean, some people get really caught up in sports, and so then uh, before you know it, you might be crazy. <laughs> In sports, and and you lose your whole perspective on you know God is love, and you know the important thing is to love, and so Teresa I think really describes that those two contraries, and I, and I remember here about Saint John of the Cross saying, well, two contraries cannot exist in the same place. So what happens when those two contraries are in the same place? A spiritual battle. <laughs> so I think probably many of us can identify with this sense of tug of war between wanting to know and love God and to grow spiritually and then the world. And, you know, some some would say that we practice our faith only on Sunday and then not the rest of the week. And that means we're six days in the world and only one day with the Lord. That's not good. One hour. <laughs> one hour, one day. That's not good. And so I think these two quotes together really tell us something about Teresa, that if we want to grow spiritually, we, we have to work. We, for sure, we don't want to be committing mortal sins. But venial sins is, is the, the lighter class, so to speak. <laughs> but we need to, to get those out, too. We need to root those out. Um, and she can teach a lot about all of that. But, but here she is, um, she is one who's not talking from the rooftop. She has gone from the bottom up. She, uh, is one that can relate 
to all of us out here. So I think that's what I was so attracted about Teresa. She's so realistic. She's down to earth, and um, she can get into the details of life there really well. So what was it that um, brought her conversion about? Well, she had been in the Carmelite Monastery for 19 years. Uh, there was a point in there for about two years where she gave up practicing prayer uh, out of, it says, false humility. Mm-hmm. And so at age 39, there was, in Lent that year, the, the um, monastery had borrowed a statue, and she found it to be a very devotional. So she describes this conversion experience now in Chapter 9 of her autobiography. She says, It happened to me that one day, entering the oratory, I saw a statue they had borrowed for a certain feast to be celebrated in the house. It represented the much-wounded Christ, and was very devotional, so that beholding it, I was utterly distressed in seeing him that way, for it well represented what he suffered for us. I felt so keenly aware of how poorly I thanked him for those wounds that it seems to me my heart broke, beseeching him to strengthen me once and for all that I might not offend him. I threw myself down before him with the greatest outpouring of tears. Oh, wow. That is a big conversion moment. And how does that strike you? Well, first of all, we know that it was the watershed appointment of, 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 of experience for her life. And she, later on, she said everything before that moment was Teresa and everything after that moment was God. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this, and if it wasn't for that experience, we Carmelites may not what we have have what we have today. Right, and and millions all over the world would not probably have her books that she's That's right. was ordered to write. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was very struck that it was a um, statue of the wounded Christ. So I'm thinking the precious blood, and you know how important um, when we pray to pray the precious blood upon us and and. When she was cognizant of that precious blood being spilt and how it, it just washed her soul in that moment spiritually and, and were the benefactors of this grace-filled moment, how blessed we are. Yes, and the other thing about this passage for me is that the prayer she makes at the end, you know, she realizes how unfaithful she's been to Christ for the work he had done for us. And then she prays, strengthen me once and for all that I might not offend you again. You yes. know, what a beautiful prayer. Yes, know? that is a beautiful prayer. Because we know that that by our own power we can't overcome the deep sins of our life. We need the work of God in our lives to transform us, to do for ourselves what we can't, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Okay, repeat that prayer, that little line. Strengthen me. Strengthen strengthen me once and for all that I might not offend you. That is a good prayer. We could all pray that tonight as a uh, prayer um, in honor of St. Teresa, you know, asking her to intercede for us. You know, tomorrow her feast day. Wouldn't that be a great prayer for all of us to pray? Um, and oh, how the Lord would rejoice with that one. <laughs> well, it could be a little like mantra, kind of like the Jesus prayer. You could pray it over and over in your time of meditation. You know, strengthen me that I might not offend you again. Yes, and and I think that translates into Thy will be done <laughs> too. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about prayer. Uh, we're leading right into that topic, and we have some wonderful, wonderful quotes on prayer. And I think uh, my favorite is the definition of of mental prayer. So, would you please start us off with that one? This is again from her autobiography, and 
mental prayer was the prayer for, for St. Teresa, and this is what she said. For mental prayer, in my opinion, is nothing else than an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. And that is a classic definition. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? Comment on that for us. Well, first of all, I think about relationships. You know, like, yes. like my wife Linda and I, if we don't take time frequently to be alone, our relationship is not going to flourish. Right. So it's the same way with God. We need to take time alone every day um, to, to be in relationship with God. You know, to, to not just to talk at God to it, but to experience what God is telling us to. Yes, and, and I zeroed in on the intimate sharing. Mm-hmm. And so that means it's not just like reciting a vocal prayer or um, praying a rosary without without really getting into the person of Jesus, without sharing your deepest hurts or your deepest hungers. Uh, intimate sharing is so much deeper. So so just by reciting a vocal prayer, um, I mean, prayers are good, but, you know, the more heart and love you put in them, the better. And so I think when she says an intimate sharing, I, I'm thinking we got to go deep. And the deeper we go, the better. So, you know, as we pray tonight, as you right before you go to bed, I always think, you know, everybody should be praying before they fall asleep, right? You know, and, uh, you know, before you go to bed tonight, just ask uh, for the Lord to come into your heart and, you know, think of him within and, and have that intimate sharing moment with him. So what else does he say about prayer? Well, let me jump ahead a little bit. All right. Um, I was always struck by this passage from the Interior Castle. She says, fix your eyes on the crucified, and everything will become small for you. If his majesty showed us his love by means of such works and frightful torments, how is it you want to please him only with words? Oh, yes. Do you know what it means to be truly spiritual? It means becoming slaves of God, marked with his brand, which is that of the cross. Spiritual persons, because they have given him their liberty can be sold by him as slaves of everyone, as he was. Yes. I I remember focusing on those words, fix your eyes on the crucified. Put your eyes on Christ. Yes. And that's very biblical from Hebrews, too. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, who inspires and perfects your faith. Yes. Well, that kind of leads into um, one of the things that she said about how to pray. Um, One of the quotes I picked was, Insofar as I can understand, the door of entry to this castle is prayer and reflection. Now, she's talking about the interior castle and this journey of intimate prayer and love. She says, I don't mean to refer to mental more than vocal prayer, for since vocal prayer is prayer, it must be accompanied by reflection. Now, listen to what she says. A prayer in which a person is not aware of whom he is speaking to, what he is asking, who it is who is asking and of whom I do not call prayer, however much the lips move. So, you know, it's intentional prayer. we got to know who we're talking to and who we are in relationship to who we're talking to and, you know, what it is we're asking for. I think that's very uh, fundamental and, and very fruitful for a life. So um, I see that we only have about another minute. Do we have another quote that we can put in here about prayer and then we'll... Then we'll go to a break, but let's see if we can get one more quote in here. Uh, okay. Um, for Teresa, it was always being present 
you know, having the being recognizing the pre- presence of God within us. And her method really was very simple. She says, um, "I tried as hard as I could to keep Jesus Christ, our God and our Lord, present within me. That was my way of prayer. If I reflected upon some phrase of his phase of his passion, I represented him to myself interiorly." Okay, tell us what this means. Focusing on Christ within. Okay, does this mean you have a picture, an image, you know, with your imagination? Or how would you say that Teresa's It could, it could. Okay. And some people even use pictures. Mm -hmm. uh, But it basically it's just an awareness of God who dwells within. I think it's evident as an act of faith. You know, it it could be just uh, in faith knowing he's present within. But Teresa had a hard time with this, so she would use a lot of pictures and statues In fact, she'd take a statue with her to found all the new foundations. She'd take a statue with her everywhere. But and she always used a book, too. Yeah, yeah, to start her prayer. And then, you know, when she felt the call to go deeper, she would set the book aside. Mm-hmm. So we have these prompts. God knows that we're visual and we're tactile and well, what we need. But, but the thing is to go within and have contact with God. <laughs> I like what you said about doing it in faith. You know, because sometimes we don't feel that, you know. But, but we know by the scriptures, by the teaching of the church, that, that we have the indwelling trinity within us by virtue of our baptism. So we, we look at that in, with the eyes of faith. Well, that is a potent thought to be thinking about in this year of faith. But we're going to take a little bit of a break now. And when we come back, we have a lot more gems to share with you. So we hope you will be back with us in just a few minutes. Thank you.
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. Welcome back, and I'm so glad you're listening in with Carmelite Conversations. I have a guest with me today. It's Chris Cotter, and we're talking about some famous quotes of St. Teresa of Avila in honor of her feast day tomorrow. Okay, Chris, what's what's this next great quote that you have for us? Well, at one point in her uh, spiritual growth, she was given some bad advice to uh, give up um, focusing on the humanity of Christ. And she said that um, it set her back, you know, because she no longer felt she had this companion by her side, which goes along with this advice she gives in the way of perfection. Okay, and, let's hear what she uh, says. Then, daughter, since you are alone, strive to find a companion. Well, what better companion than the master himself who taught you this prayer? Represent the Lord himself as close to you, and behold how lovingly and humbly he is teaching you. Believe me, you should remain with so good a friend as long as you can. If you grow accustomed to having him present at your side, and he sees that you do so with love, and that you go about striving to please him, you will not be able, as they say, to get away from him. He will never fail you. He will help you in all your trials. You will find him everywhere. Do you think it's a small matter to have a friend like this at your side? Isn't that wonderful? This is what I love about St. Teresa. She is so basic. All right, there's nothing highfalutin in this. You know, if we were to just to re-say this in just our own lingo, this current day, we just say, hey, ask Jesus to come with you <laughs> throughout your day and be with you and talk to him throughout the day. And when you say represent him within you, what are we talking about? Um, she says, represent him as close to you and behold how lovingly and humbly he's teaching. So he, he's speaking within your heart. Um, and it's not like you're hearing words. OK, it, it, it's just this intuitive sense or a thought will come into your head. And, you know, then then you're discerning choices. So uh, this is very simple. What, what's your take on this? Just being aware of God dwelling within, focusing yeah. on God, focusing on Jesus. And, and yeah. take him with you in your day. I, I like this. What better companion? I mean, you're going to ask the King of Kings to be with you. <laughs> what better person? You know. Um, so this is this is a great thing. So and she's just saying, strive to please him. Know that he's with you, and strive to please him. And that basically translates into Thy will be done all over again, and and helps us to grow in love. So it's it's basic stuff, but it the way she says it. I mean, I have to confess that I didn't think about. God within. I always thought of God far away, you know, way, and I, I, up in heaven. I, yeah, up in heaven. I mean, nobody ever told me. I mean, if they did, I wasn't listening. <laughs> but it took me a long time, and I think I got it when I, I got it from Teresa, um, that, yeah, he's inside of me, reigning in my soul, uh, and waiting for me. He's, he's looking at me. Like, like Pope Francis says, he's gazing at me, and I can gaze back, <laughs> and I don't have to think of him far away. He's, as close as my soul within me. So that's another thing we can take to prayer tonight, knowing that he's here within. So, all right. Well, now, you know, with with every spiritual journey, uh, there's trials and tribulations. So you picked a couple of quotes about suffering and the cross. So uh, what, what would you like to share with us from Teresa about that topic? Well, the first one is from her autobiography again, and it's... Um 
kind of a prayer. Oh, let me interrupt here just a second. That autobiography goes by the name of The Book of Her Life, just in case anybody else wants to know about it. And if you want to find a good place to buy good translations of her works, I recommend icspublications.org. Go to, ICS stands for Institute of Carmelite Studies, and uh, our Carmelite friars are doing a lot of those translations. So uh, The uh, Book of Her Life is her autobiography. Good. Uh, The first quote is um, from uh, the Book of Her Life, the autobiography. My Lord, what do you do but that which is for the greater good of the soul you understand now to be yours, and which places itself in your power, so that to follow you wherever you go, even to death on the cross, and is determined to help you bear it and not leave you alone with it. All right, so what do you make of that? It's all about the passion of Jesus, you know. And, and we're invited to participate, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. In fact, St. Teresa uh, was so um, in love with Jesus and wanted to imitate him so much that she wanted to imitate him in his passion as well. She understood that suffering was how we imitate Jesus. And, you know, that is a hard comfort, uh, concept for many of us. I know I've prayed for years and years and years to understand this. How the saints rejoiced in suffering. I, I think it's a grace to understand it. But um, I, I think it is a participation in the cross. And when we participate with Christ in his passion, we also can participate in his glory. And um, we want Christ to live and reign within us, don't we? So if we just go with the good stuff, then it's sort of like thinking that a marriage can be only good and happy. (laughs) So much for those vows of in in good times and bad times. Um, No, the reality is that there's going to be good, there's going to be bad, there's going to be ugly, um, there's uh, wonderful. But uh, we want to be steadfast and bound and in union with the Lord through all of that. And so he invites us to come along with him. And so the next quote you had, I, I, I'll read this one. It's a short one. It says, for there are many who begin, and we're talking about that spiritual journey. There are many who begin, yet they never reach the end. I believe this is due mainly to a failure to embrace the cross from the beginning. Well, Chris, can you share with us what this has been like for you in your life? How you got to the point where you understood embracing the cross was good? Um, well, first of all, I, I understand it from an evangelization standpoint. You know that you know we as, chi- as a child we learned to offer our sufferings up. Yes. And um, Pope, Pope John Paul II said something like this in his uh, work on suffering: that suffering, more than anything else, cl- open clears the way for the work of redemption in the life of the world and life of people. You know, so it, it's that there's there's power in that because. Because uh, that's how Jesus saved us. Little Saint Therese, who understood that, you know, she was looking for um, the means to save souls for Jesus, and she understood that it was through his suffering that he won souls for mm-hmm. for, for God for for the kingdom. And so she understood that that was the means to 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 win souls. So she began to offer her sufferings in union with him to the Father, and you know, she never left the monastery for 
nine years of her life, and yet she's considered the patroness of missions. Yeah, so it must have worked. We'll have to have <laughs> you back to talk about that, because that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, it reminds me of, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, um, something about, you know, for those who have, who have not suffered, well, what do they know? I'm paraphrasing it, of course, but it's true. Um, I, I've asked some groups of people in, in different classes and conferences and things, you know, where do you learn the most about uh, growing in the spiritual life? Is it in these uh, delightful times or is it in suffering? I give them those two choices. And undoubtedly, the majority always answer suffering. That's where you learn the most. What do you think about that? I think it's absolutely true from my own experience. You know, I, mean, I, I learned things, but, but the real spiritual lessons of life have come in my low points. Yes. You know, and when you have to really, you don't understand what's going on, you have to reach out to God and uh, just accept what God has for you at that point. Well, I think you said it very well there, with, that you have to reach out for God, because a lot of people uh, are discouraged right now, and, and some people are on the point of despair. And so we have to realize that... Um, all we have to do is turn to God and ask for help and wait patiently for his hand. Um, he, we may not see it, how it's working out, but we don't give up. And we always turn to God who is uh, over all. And our biggest trouble is nothing for him. So anybody who is out there struggling, um, just turn to God. Keep your eyes on Christ. Know that he is there walking with you through this trial and that great things come from trials. Um, all right. Uh, what What's our next quote? Let's move on. Uh, the next one is um, from... Uh, the autobiography again, but nonetheless, I thought I would be able to serve God much better if I were in good health. Yes, she suffered. This is our mistake, not abandoning ourselves entirely to what the Lord does, for he knows best what is fitting for us. Yes. We just have to practice um, accepting God's will as it comes to us, because every event in our life that comes our way as part of God's will for us. And, and we can't control everything, and we're silly to control, because when we try to control, we might miss out on something that God's got planned for us, because uh, we, we wanted it our way. Uh, so this keeps pointing back to, thy will be done. Um, ex- accepting what's coming in your hand, and then praying for the grace to respond favorably to it. Let me go back to that second quote again, about I believe this is due mainly to a failure to embrace the cross from the beginning. You know, we we, we kind of go through life with this entitlement mentality that I'm supposed to have a beautiful life, a bed of roses, and nothing is supposed to go wrong. So when something goes wrong, I begin kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and um, but we have to realize that that's God's plan, and um, we we will not grow in holiness if we do not embrace the cross. There's just no way, no way, no other way. And also, I think uh, by embracing our struggles, it helps us to realize we are weak, and and we need God. And it helps us to surrender to God when we're in trouble. I mean, when have you said, God, help me the most? It's probably when you were in the most trouble. I remember in a car wreck that I was in, and the hood uh, went up, and I could not see. And it was a grace-filled moment. I just took my hands off of the wheel, and I just prayed for God to put me safe because I, I could not choose which way to drive because I couldn't see. So I, in faith, I just took my hands off the wheel and let go. And I, I survived not getting hurt at all. Um, but when I ponder that event in my life, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a big act of surrender. But God took care of me. You know, he heard my prayer. 
So um, that's just an example. Yeah, so one of two things can happen, I think. You know, if we have a crisis, you know, either we're going to gr- draw closer to God, or so many people can't accept the cross and they turn away. Right. And you know, I've seen this happen countless times. Right. No. So we encourage everybody always turn to God. Embrace That's the, cross. the best <laughs> recourse of your action. All right. And you know, we do mess up. Uh, and we sin, and so we want help for that. And so uh, you've picked a couple of quotes on uh, confession or the sacrament of reconciliation. In Teresa's time, uh, she called it confession, and, and we still refer to it at that as that today. So uh, read for us um, some of her quotes here on confession. Well, it, you know, confession for her was uh, something that was automatic you know she didn't think much about it and didn't teach a lot about it you know uh, but but it was it was a real part of her life as she said very simply i hasten to go to confession for i like to confess seldom no, no. Frequently. frequently i like to confess frequently i wonder how frequently that was that doesn't mean once a year exactly <laughs> <laughs> hint hint <laughs> i think um i think today um priests typically uh, suggest that we go at least monthly, right? Isn't that the norm? I would, I would think that if you were serious about growing in holiness, a minimum would be monthly confession. I heard a seminarian told me one time, he said, if you're serious every week. Yes, yeah. if we yeah. could only have that luxury, but yeah. you know, there's usually long lines or no lines and not enough availability, or yeah. you know, we could talk yeah. about that, but our, our dear priests, they're so busy, but let's pray for that grace to be able to go to confession frequently so that we can purify our souls, uh, or we can avail ourselves of, of God's grace purifying our souls. And I know she said this, too she says i never fail to confess what i think is a sin even though venial and you know so many times you hear stories about people who want to change the priest because they don't want to to tell their normal priest their biggest sin because they're afraid that they'll look at them badly and i'm like well that's another sin it's best to just put it all out there get the mud out there on the floor and then let the water of life come and cleanse yeah. you yeah. saint john of the cross talked about that giving examples about people who went to another community too <laughs> to go to confession you know? yeah so yeah. just just go ahead and confess that one get it done and over with and you never have to worry about that again <laughs> well you know and saint Teresa, it wasn't just venial sins for her was imperfections you know oh, one time yes. she wrote she said uh, i committed an imperfection it wasn't a sin i committed an imperfection you know because she kind of vowed to god that she was going to lead this life of perfection right and so and then she talks about this cornerstone um what what does she say about this cornerstone this is from the way of perfection you already know that the cornerstone must be a good conscience and that with all your strength you must strive to free yourselves even from venial sins, and seek what is the most perfect. Yes, indeed. And to get perfect, she has this wonderful quote on love, detachment, and humility. I just love this quote because those are three foundational aspects of spiritual growth, love, detachment, and humility. So what does she tell us So if we want to grow uh, in prayer, grow in holiness, uh, she gives this advice. It is very important that we understand how much the practice of these three things helps us to possess inwardly and outwardly the peace our Lord recommended so highly to us. The first of these is love for one another. The second is detachment from all created things. The third is true humility, which even though I speak of at last, 
it is the main practice and embraces all the others. Yes, so foundational. So, so love, charity, agape, uh, detachment from all created things, and then the foundation for that is true humility. Right. Now, detachment, just just for our listeners' sake, uh, detachment meaning is that uh, we're not uh, putting something in front of God. Uh, we're not uh, being uh, a slave to something over us. You know, we're not addicted to something, or or we're not um, seeking uh, power or prestige or money over God. You know, we want God first and everything in relation to Him, and so. Uh, we don't even want to be attached to our own opinions. <laughs> we need to be open, and we uh, need to know that God knows everything, and we know next to nothing. <laughs> but we're trying, and we can learn all the rest of our life, right? <laughs> so there's hope for us, but we need to practice this, love, detachment, and humility. And, and there's a beautiful quote on humility. Um, would you share that one? Because this is uh, a, a great quote. Okay, uh, it is this. Uh, humility drew the king from heaven to the womb of the virgin. In other words, Mary's humility. And with it, by one hair, we will draw him to our souls and realize that the one who has more humility will be the one who possesses him more, and the one who has less will possess him less. Yeah, so I challenge our listeners to go out there and find who is the most humble in your own perspective. Who is most humble and, and look at them and, and learn from that example. And, and she goes on to say um, from her book of her life, Believe me, in the presence of infinite wisdom, a little study of humility. Okay, that's what I was suggesting. A little study. A little study of humility and one act of humility is worth more than all the knowledge of the world. So she puts a high emphasis on this. Uh, you know, when, when you're a humble person, you're teachable. You're open and you're, you're looking for wisdom from God and from uh, those who God is working through. And, and so this is so, so very important. Oh, my goodness, Chris. Time is going by so, so fast. So um, let's have a, um, we probably have time for maybe two or three more uh, quotes before we need to close. Um, how about, um, about love, love of neighbor maybe? Because, you know, that's what this is all about, loving God and loving neighbor. And it's one of the things that she said was necessary for spiritual growth uh, from the way of perfection. About the first love for one another, it is most important that we have this, for there is nothing annoying that is not suffered easily by those who love one another. A thing would have to be extremely annoying before causing any displeasure. And if this commandment were observed in the world as it should be, I think such love would be very helpful for the observance of the other commandments. But because of either excess or defect, we never reach the point of observing this commandment perfectly. Right. And that commandment comes with love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Well, and more oh. than that, it's, 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 it's as to love God as he loves us. You know, to love as Jesus loves. Love yes. one another as I have loved you. Yes. You know, so yes. That's the new commandment. And I know she, she did say at one point, we cannot know whether we love God or not, but um, we can know whether we love our neighbor. And, and how do we know that? We know that by how we treat them. 
And and I like how in that quote she is saying that there's nothing annoying that's not suffered easily by those who love one another. So I'm thinking in marriage, you know, we put up with a lot and we overlook a lot because we love. Um, but, you know, if it's extremely annoying, she says, you know, it can't cause displeasure. So uh, she's not. That's where our spiritual growth comes from. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right. Well, let's do um, one final quote. Let's pick one on the topic of mortification um, and tell us briefly what's mortification? It's death, putting to death everything in myself that's not of God. Oh, that's really good. That's a great definition. (laughs) And, of course, it can be physical things, but it can also be interior things. Yes. She talks about that here from the way of perfection. Why should we then delay in practicing interior mortification? For interior mortification makes everything else more meritorious and perfect and afterwards enables us to the other thing enables us to the other things with greater ease and repose. This imperial mortification is acquired, as I have said, by proceeding gradually, not giving in to our own will and appetites, even in little things, until the body is completely surrendered to the spirit. And I think St. Therese, the little flower, um, mastered this. Uh, giving up her own will. In everything. In everything. So if you want to see a real-life picture of what that is like, you read uh, St. Therese's story, The Soul. Well, uh, I think there is one final quote that is known as the bookmark, and we really need to go back to St. Teresa's bookmark because I think it's a great synopsis of uh, her perspective on the spiritual journey and on life. Uh, Could you read that for us? Great advice. Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Nothing is wanting to him who possesses God. God alone suffices. Mm. And that's another prayer. If we just want to say God alone suffices, we can just ponder that and ponder that and really find the wisdom in it. So, well, Chris, I just really thank you for coming on the program today and for sharing these um, tidbits of wisdom with us. I think we're going to have to have another one of these quotable quotes of St. Teresa sometime. Uh, but it's been a pleasure having you. And I just want to encourage all of our listeners to please pray big tonight uh, and tomorrow on the feast day of St. Teresa. So, again, Chris, thank you for joining us. It's been my pleasure to be here. Great. And um, we're going to have a closing prayer. And I would please ask our listeners to remember uh, Mark on that pilgrimage. Keep him uh, covered in your prayer. We really appreciate that. And he'll be coming back to share about that. And um, before the closing prayer, I wanted to let you know that next week uh, I will have another special guest, uh, one who's been with us before, Deacon and Dr. Tracy Jameson. He's going to return and talk about spiritual marriage, or otherwise known as heaven on earth. (laughs) So uh, please join me in prayer right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this comes from a poem of St. Teresa's. If the love you bear me, O Lord, is like mine for you, tell me, why do I hesitate? And why do you delay? What do you want from me, O soul? Only to see you, my God. And what do you fear the most? My greatest fear is losing you.
When a soul is gathered to God, what more could it desire than to love, and love still more, and being immersed in that love, to love again? I ask you, Lord, for such a complete love that the soul may possess you and may make itself a home in the place that is most fitting. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, we're really glad you all joined us on Carmelite Conversations. We want to invite you to visit our Facebook page, um, Carmelite Conversations. Uh, I did put the bookmark of St. Teresa on our Facebook page, and there are tons of other quotes, uh, not only of St. Teresa, but St. John and St. Therese and many, many more. So I'd like you to uh, find that if you're into Facebook. And we also have uh, a place where you can write to us or email us at... Um, Capital C, Carmelite dot conversations at yahoomail.com or yahoo.com. Um, you can email us a, a question or a comment. We always love hearing from you. And we ask you to keep us all in your prayers and we keep you in ours. So for now, we'll see you next week, I hope, and God bless you. Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.